Say you're searching for information about Latinos and COVID online. Here's a few of the top headlines you'll find. It's quite a grim picture. Latinos disproportionately hurt by coronavirus in Maryland. Virus is twice as deadly for Latino and Black people than whites in New York City. Illinois Latinos surpass African Americans in coronavirus cases. San Jose leaders decry disproportionate deaths of minority residents. My question is, could we have prevented this? Why is this happening? And who's there to help minority communities not only when their health takes a hit, but also their finances and livelihood? On this week's Moneda Moves. You tell a person who is already afraid of this, uh, we call it the virus, the solitude virus, who is fatal, kill you. And you tell them to stay home. And there are 10 people there. One will be out of the window, one out of the door to be six feet apart. Somebody got sick inside there. Then look at the picture yourself. What's going to happen in that building with the elderly people who live with us? You're listening to the Moneda Moves podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Alfaro, and here we'll be talking about Latinos, money, and our role in the American economy. I'm a multimedia producer living in New York City, and we're going to be covering Keeping Cuentas, or tabs on all things Latinos and money in the U.S., speaking with potentes, or the next generation of entrepreneurs, and Monedita, how to put your money where your mouth is and support the Latino community. Welcome to the show. No te lo quieres perder. Your average cost to treat a hospitalized patient with coronavirus is a crippling $30,000, as reported by CNBC. But at Somos, they can get seen for no cost at all and no questions asked on citizenship status. Dr. Talaj, who is an immigrant from the Dominican Republic himself, knows this is a big deal for people coming from these communities, fearing for their lives while also living with limited resources. The doctor tells us about the hardships Latinos and Chinese immigrants face in New York City and how Somos is looking to help. My name is Dr. Ramon Talaj. I'm the chairman of Somos Community Care. The Somos Community Care is a, a group of IPAs who came together when the governor of New York, Andres Cuomo, decided to change the way the Medicaid patients get the services in the city. We are close to 1 million patients, uh, more than 2,000 physicians, and we actually are the number one. We saved just in 2018, $336 million, almost 12% per patient per month to the state of New York. So now when we take a look at the pandemic and specifically how it's affecting minorities, Latinos, and immigrant communities in New York, what are your observations in terms of cases, um, in terms of gravity as it differs by borough? Well, you know, let's start what what happened before the inequity was there our people at this point today beside that the ones that suffer the most no more people dead but they also most of the people who were very sick uh, who recover 
we also, you know, only 30% of our people have $100 or less for emergency. For how up to 80%, some extra 50% got up to $500. That money is gone. On top of that, 50% lost their job. And 30% has part-time work. That means if they lost their job, they have no health insurance. If they have no health insurance, they have no medicines. That's the second situation worse. Plus, the most important, no food. Forget about cleaning. Since it's too expensive to find cleaning. Rich people bought all of it. We've been giving uh, meals since uh, Good Friday, close to quarter million meals. Uh, we've been delivering them together with the Jose Andres and, and Mark Anthony, Maestro Kers. But also, we ourselves have doubled the size, opening 14 places through the city to deliver the meals uh, for these people. Because now this sanitary crisis has become a humanitarian crisis. No, that's a very good point. And I, this is more than a medical crisis, but you did mention um, some money that people may have received. And I think you're referring to the stimulus check. Now let's talk numbers. Uh, say someone receives anywhere from 500 to 1200 as that stimulus check. And by now, surely it's gone. But how does this compare to medical bills in the case that you don't have insurance? What could it cost someone to get tested and treatment? Well, our testing side that we established for anybody in the city and the government opened one in, in, in Staten Island, but that was not where we had our patients. We have a million patients in the four borough, different than Staten Island. We knew from the beginning the situation. We opened one in the Bronx right away. Now we have in the three boroughs, we have in Brooklyn, we opened one in Brooklyn. We've been doing testing, as I told you, since March 18. The 20, we opened the one in the Bronx. And, and as I could tell you, the situation is the same. You know, we, we were sending back to those building people who got already test positive to those small places where, imagine that, we are multi-generational in those buildings. 10 people in one bedroom apartment with one bathroom. Somebody comes sick, and you know, uh, these apartments, you put all of them together in one building, they are the nursing home of the Hispanic people and the Chinese people. This is why so many people die inside there, and still. Even you're saying, why so many admissions, so many people coming from the building? Because we didn't have the isolation that we believe should have happened seven weeks ago. How are the facilities that you have set up dealing with the sheer volume of people? We've seen reports come in from general hospitals in some of these boroughs where we have doctors saying, you know, there's simply not enough resources, we're not equipped. How, how are you dealing with the volume of people? I could tell you, we put so much money from the beginning on this. Uh, more than $10 million, we knew. We were buying kits to do tests everywhere in the world to be sure that our people get tested, to be sure that we were able to tell them uh, their situation and be careful when they came back to the building because there was no isolation. And we had no, we had no stop to do what we were supposed to do because we knew. And we continue doing telemedicine now. This is why we're able to sustain not too many people going to the emergency room. To telemedicine, we're able to triage our patients, and this is how we handle that. And now the 1833 uh, SOMOS NY, hundreds of thousands calls, all different. We didn't believe at the beginning it was only for people with no insurance, with no papers, they're afraid to go to hospital, they don't know what's going to happen. But now we even had to use it for the doctors that die. We had around nine doctors who die. We are now using the same number to help those patients until we prepare for the re recovery. We've been doing work now to look how the recovery looks like. We've been ahead of the game. We were the first people 
who brought testing, immune testing. We started doing immune testing like six weeks ago. To the people already recovered the disease, you know, the government said you have to go back to work after you've been sick and three days without fever. We say, wait a minute, let's get another layer of protection. Let's test them for immune test, the IgG test. That way we know that at least have some more clear mind that they're not going back to create problems in the community where they are already. And we've been doing that since then. And that's super important. And I would say, I mean, some people might say it's ahead of, of its time, but I think it's right on time to start testing people who have previously recovered from COVID. There's, again, limited research on this. Now, there's a couple things that you said that I want to break down. You mentioned 833-SOMOS-NY. That's the number people can dial in. Is that also the number people can dial for telehealth services? No. Every doctor, we install in every practice telemedicine. Normally, in every day, regular day, 2,000 or 25 visits, regular 50,000. We are around, around 25,000, half of that in telemedicine. But at the same time, we have the individual, like we have a centralized number, 1833, for getting appointment for the testing through us. Also, you got a, a number where you could talk to a doctor in three different languages. And what are those languages in which the services are available? English, Spanish, and Chinese. Incredible. And now, before these uh, testing options were available, as you said, an immigrant might say, you know, I don't know what's going to happen when I go into the hospital. There's a, there's a fear, a factor of fear, right, of, of going in person. How does this aid? And also from a money perspective, do you have any idea of how much these services would cost? For us, the cost is nothing. Our patients, 95% are Medicaid or Medicare patients. We don't have rich patients. We are in the neighborhood. We are the neighborhood. We are part of them. This is why we knew. This, we had to be the first one there because we knew what happened through this rip. This, you got telemedicine, the patient could call. When we started the center, the most important was you don't need to bring any paper, just your name or your appointment. Uh, we're not going to check if you have insurance or not. We're not going to check if you have papers or not. This is free. This is for New York. We are New York. We are, we are coming from the neighborhood. We are the same people. And, and Dr. Talaj, you certainly, you mentioned you're an immigrant and you're from the Dominican Republic is what I've read. And you seem certainly very passionate about the inequities that, I mean, I'm sure nationally, but specifically New Yorkers and New York uh, minorities of color face. Can you tell us about how coronavirus is affecting those communities today? I'll tell you uh, how affected. Let me tell you an example. When you tell a person who is already afraid of this uh, we call it the virus, the solitude virus, which fatal, kill you. And you tell them to stay home. And there are 10 people there. One will be out of the window, one out of the door to be six feet apart. Somebody got sick inside there. Then look at the picture yourself. What's going to happen in that building with the elderly people who live with us? And at the same time, uh, you, for example, when they said, oh, let's do a school. You know what? Only 25% have one computer. How can they get four kids, three kids, get to classes through the day? You know, this is the kind of thing that when you have to understand what happened there in those buildings. The fact that a lot of first generation people do take care of their elders is not something that's always acknowledged, but something that's very common among Latino and immigrant communities. Each building is a nursing home mm -hmm. for no, our people. That's all right.
Thank you, Dr. Talaj, for sharing your experience and for the work that you're doing. Certainly a lot to contemplate here as we potentially see a second wave of COVID later in this year. To learn more about Somos, their work in New York City, and how you can potentially help, visit SomosCommunityCare.org. In the meantime, thank you for joining us on this episode of Moneda Moves. Hasta la próxima.